You ever been on a hike, Ray? Yes. <laughs> it was one of my one and only hikes. Have you been on a multiple day hike? No. Okay. I can't Definitely. imagine. We're talking about the multiple day sleep under the stars. No. Mm -hmm. Which is yeah, really I, I, fun. You guys I don't see Ray doing that. Well. No, I was an Eagle Scout and we had to do a five, we were getting our five mile hike patch. Yeah. 14 miles later and then nightfall because our <laughs> Scoutmaster got lost. Yes. Yeah, oh dear. I feel like you've got a series of traumatic experiences that have ruined the good things about good things for people. Yeah, Ray. No, thank you. Maybe we should do a staff a staff camping trip. Is like a team building experience. We should hike the Appalachian Trail like a three nighter. Yeah, as a there team builder experience. Ray, I don't feel like I know you well enough. I need to go camping, hiking with you, Ray. Then I feel like I'll be connected. I feel like this will be like a Survivor episode because well, that's not what I was coming well, that's back. What, that's what cracks me up. You want to go on Survivor and you're saying no to us to go on a hike. Yeah, true. There's a million dollar. There's a million dollar price tag on that. So, okay. But if you yeah. if you, if you, you win, a hike, you can't survive Survivor, bro. Is there? I, I couldn't go on a hike. I didn't he want said to. He go chooses on a hike. not to. That's mm. right. Okay. I could quit drinking anytime I wanted to for five years. <laughs> <laughs> East Lake Community Church is an intentional, multicultural community empowered by the Holy Spirit. We passionately pursue a loving relationship with God and everyone Jesus was sent to die for, here, near, and far. Oh. Yeah. Is there a survivor, is survivor going on right now, Ray? Yes, man. It's in week three. Uh, that's perfect. Why don't though. you know that, Philip? Well, I like to watch a few at a time anyways, because one's not enough. So three okay. is a good number for me. Three old nasty show. It's old. It's worn great. Out. Worn out. It's great. Old it's, and ragged. It's real life. It has parallels to real life. What week? When yeah. did it come out? Dynamics between people and like there is nothing real life about the way they about Survivor. They film that thing. No. Yeah. No. Because no. you got to learn how to now. If you're gonna win, you have to learn how to navigate personalities. Deception. You got to lie. You do have to lie. But that's one thing. Well, in real life, we don't believe in lying. But on Survivor, you're trying to win it all. I'm just saying. So if you if you're a winner of Survivor, you got my respect. Unless you're Rahab, then you're allowed to lie. You're the most deceitful one on the island. Congratulations. You, you, <laughs> you duped them all. Uh, so when did Survivor come out? That's what I want to know. 97, what year? 97, 98, maybe? It's been out since since the late 90s. I, I, I know I was living a different life then. That's all I can I say. I watched the uh, first season because what the guy, I can't remember his name, but the guy from Kentucky. Richard Hatch. Richard no, Hatch. not Richard. Richard yeah, that's the one he won. But that's okay. not who we were watching for. We were watching for the guy from Kentucky because he was from one town over. Uh, okay. Kentucky at the time. Michelle was playing a different game of Survivor at that time what? of her life. <laughs> what were you doing back then, Michelle? Tell <laughs> I was living the good life in Ligonier, Pennsylvania. Mm. Well, parts of it were the good life. Parts of it 
yeah. ended up not being the good life. But, you know, I was, uh, it was a lot different than now. I wasn't a single parent in South Carolina. So. She wasn't a pastor either. I was not a pastor. Although I pastored a lot of people in our mops ministry. So. Wow. At that yeah. time? Oh, yeah. You were yeah. a mop? Yeah. I was the MOPS coordinator in our little town. So uh, mothers of day. preschoolers. I biker by <laughs> night. No, no. Biker was long gone by then. You gotta go uh, back. You gotta go back into the early 90s, late 80s if you want to find that. Yeah. That was a long time ago. Okay. I think I'm good. Yeah. yeah. Me too. Man, that's crazy. All right, guys. So let's get this party moving. I mean, I feel like I want to know it, you know, when one of my favorite things that Rob talked about in this sermon was kind of how, like, these are some things that God can teach him. He was teaching him or the way God could feel with him. And same thing with all of us. We're all in that. And it made me want to ask this question. It, when you guys were growing up, was there anything that your parent or guardian or whoever was in charge of you used to just like tell you over and over, like, please, will you just get it right this time? But you just couldn't quite pull it off. I mean, I know Michelle has a bad dark days, but <laughs> I, I know what mine was. This is kind of a random one, but in my house, batteries, double A batteries were like gold. Cause like your Game Boy ran on double A's, your um, remote control car ran on double A's. And so I would go around snatching double A's out of everything in the house. My dad's razor, the TV remotes. Um, and it would be like, if you would just get it through your thick head that you are not supposed to take the batteries out of the television remote, like things will be all right. I just couldn't help it they're right there why not so then i try to take them during the day play with them and then put them back before my parents got home but you know I, i'd always forget and then i'd leave the remote with the back off on the table and they'd be like you did it again you did it again anyways yeah. did you guys ever misbehave other i mean michelle oh. i mean we already know michelle dark bad things I don't know about me, but my kids took all the charging cords. To this day, I have, I can hold it up, I think, and show you. This is a plug. Do you see what it says there? It says, do not remove charging cords. <laughs> you put a label on it? I did. It didn't help. I was like, you cannot say, I didn't tell you. So, drove me nuts. <laughs> but you know for me my mother says that I always interrupted her when I was on the phone because I was an only child till I was 12 yeah. and she says that is the thing that irritated her the most I bet that was tough living with you <laughs> I bet it was <laughs> mine was two words shut up <laughs> Because, yeah, I felt like I had to have the last word. And so my mom constantly was, just shut, would you just shut up? You know, you don't need to have the last word. I'm the mama, you're the son. So. You were yeah. like, listen, Linda, listen, Linda. <laughs> oh, I don't think. I was doing listen, Linda, before it was popular. <laughs> 
Man, I don't, I don't, I don't really know that I have one. It was just so chaotic in our world. Seriously, no, because it was just all crazy. It's like, it, really? so I can't think of one that I would number one share. But, um, you know, with my grandmother though, I would say with my grandmother, who was my safest place, um, growing up, she used to get so frustrated because I would always, when I go to her house, which was whenever I possibly could, um, I would always, always leave out the food that I had grabbed a snack with. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you know, if I grab some, if I grabbed like some crackers, I took four or five crackers out of there, I'd just leave the rest of the crackers sitting on the counter. Oh yeah. No, open. Just open. I and you just move about, you know, go back in and start playing my games. You know, I had big toad of Star Wars character. I play Star Wars stuff. Then I'd hear her go in and she she was a wonderful woman, but she really did have she knew how to swear. And I'd hear what well, no, get in here and i'd walk in and she'd be like pointing at the mess and tell me to clean it up and and then i'd do it an hour later same thing just, yeah. just doing it all over again that's amazing spencer did a thing where he would every time he get a drink all day long and every time he gets a drink he gets a new cup every time mm, mm. cups everywhere there's cups in the living room there's mm. cups in his bedroom and so then kristen made this thing she took a cutting board and put squares in it in that and put names on each square it was like you get one cup per day and you put your cup on the square if you don't want to wash your cup when you're done you set it on the square and when you're ready for another drink you go get your cup that's the way we did it but did it work did it. still to this day when we moved out here to south carolina and he stayed in california the people he was living with they were like what's up with the cups <laughs> like he's still doing it he's still yeah. doing it Okay, if we're gonna do our kids, I'll do my I'll do my son, and, and this is a good natured one. This kid cannot help himself but wear my shoes. <laughs> like I'm telling you, the other day I went looking for my two hundred dollar running shoes, and I couldn't find them anywhere. And I'm like, did I leave them upstairs? Where'd I put them? And I find them sitting in the living room, tied, and off and sitting in the corner. And so I get them, I untie them, I put them on. I'm thinking I'm fifty years old. I just forgot. I slipped them off. I come back in here around Jacob comes in. He's looking around for a pair of shoes. And he goes, hey, where are the black shoes? I said, whose black shoes? He said, the ones I was wearing yesterday. I said, my black shoes? <laughs> this child wore Jenny's shoes from the time, because Jenny got small feet, from the time he was like six years old till he was like nine. Then we had a couple of years where he couldn't wear anybody's shoes. Now he fits in my shoes. That's hilarious. And I don't know how many times we got to tell this child, those are not your shoes. That's hilarious. I don't, I would never want to swap shoes because shoes are sweaty. They disappear. I mean, I come in this room. I'm in my office. I always look underneath where I keep my shoes to make sure they're all there. Because if they're not, got to find them. And, and Rob's a runner. These are, oh, these are shoes that have a life running. expectancy. He's a when he isn't running, he's sweating. Yeah, he's a sweaty runner. I was but, a sweater. But think about this. These are my $200 running shoes that I try to run 500 miles on. I try not to use them for anything else until they're beat up. Rob, your sweater. Then they become my walking shoes. This child's got to stop. Uh, I, uh, I, don't, I don't borrow shoes. I don't borrow toothbrushes. I don't borrow, borrow socks. Hats. I don't borrow socks and I don't borrow helmets. That's your helmet. When I ride my, when I had a motorcycle, I don't worry about someone stealing it. What kind of person steals a helmet? If you steal a helmet, that's on you. I leave my helmets out. Anyways, um, so this, so I brought that up just because at this point in the series, it's, 
it's almost laughable to look at the things that Pharaoh has experienced and yet is still <laughs> relentlessly not giving in to what to letting the Israelites go like still and it's like and I don't know if you said this specifically Rob but I think you did in one way or another it's like when are you when are you going to get it through your head like when are you going to stop and then you think well of course I would give in but then you look at us in our own lives and there's so many things that we can we're capable of holding on to and it's like mine 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 I can't let that go my shoes uh so yeah you know i, I think you deserve to hold on to them yeah my and this was where my mouth got me in trouble my mom had told me to clean the kitchen now i was a college student at this time i might have been a freshman in college and i stopped by the house and she was like you know clean the kitchen and i didn't want to clean the kitchen i, I needed to have i need to say something about her asking me to clean the kitchen. Oh no, you did And didn't. so now an argument ensues. Ooh. My best friend comes into the kitchen and says, dude, if you would just shut up, there would be no argument. I don't know why, but him saying that to me, I, I actually it. shut up <laughs> and it ended. Yeah, Ray, I would have kicked you out of my house. I'm telling you. <laughs> but you know, it's funny to me because as I was preparing that introduction, I thought about everything Ray had had to cover the week before, and he had to go through all of those plagues. We had already talked about Dawson confronting Pharaoh. I talked about the miracles setting up all of this stuff about how God's power was going to be revealed. And in every one of those sermons, I'll go, let's go back, you know, way to the beginning. Every one of those sermons, Pharaoh is an idiot. <laughs> like he's like, nah, I'm good. Yeah. Like he encounters the power of God and he just goes, hey, I'm good. And it's like, bro, don't you see? Mm -hmm. And it's like I said in the sermon, God starts saying to me, he's like, yeah, don't you see? <laughs> to me. <laughs> yep. You know, and that's, it goes all the way back to Ray's first, um, I think it was the first sermon in this series about there will be times that you'll relate to the Israelites. There'll be times that you relate to Pharaoh. Yep. There'll be times that you relate to Moses. Um, yep. And this is one of those Sundays where it's like, okay. And so, you know, one of the questions, just so you guys know, um, watching this at home that Ray or that our teaching team goes through is what did, as we're uh, deconstructing sermons, like kind of looking at how things went or whatever. And one of the questions we ask is, um, what did it teach you about yourself? What did this sermon teach you about yourself? And I had to go back, you know, as I was listening to it again and say, okay, God, what are the things that you've been hitting me over the head with? Like, come on, man, where are they? What are they? And will you release those to me? You know, and it was, it was, it was a very impactful, personalized sermon, which I would not have thought coming out of one of these, you know, like a, a sermon about Pharaoh. I did not plan on um, having so much in common with him. I didn't really like that, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not enjoyable. Yeah. yeah. Michelle, you said something earlier. You were saying something like, if you, do you remember what it was about, like, for those of us who can't, let these things go then did you say something like you can just let them have it or did i hear that am i making up things your airpods i don't remember that 
Well, yeah, yeah, I don't remember that. You mean let Pharaoh have it? Yeah, I mean, does God just there? Is there a point where like God just says, "Okay, then there you go." Yeah, you get you get what you've asked for. Well, you know, I think that's true of us. You know, people will talk about, well, how can a good God send people to hell? Well, He doesn't want to. Okay, I mean, over and over and over, He gave Pharaoh opportunities. Pharaoh could have turned around at any one of those times, but He didn't. And so I think, Philip, you said this. I mean, he, he really brought it on himself mm-hmm. because over at any time, he could have stopped that whole process and it could have been different. Yeah, crazy. Um, okay. So what about this? I mean, Rob hit on this a little bit and it was really good. And um, let's talk about what would it have felt like to be Moses delivering this final mm-hmm. message of, hey, the firstborn of everything is going to die. I mean, what? because we never think about Moses. So let's go jump into those shoes a little bit. And Rob touched on it. And feel free to say it again or whatever. But well, what is Moses going through? Well, it's when, I, when I was reading it, you know, and, and this was no big theological book or anything. This was God, like, opening my eyes to the fact that the very man who was telling them that the firstborn of every family is going to die is the lone survivor of a, of a man-made holocaust of the firstborn males of an entire generation and, and talk about talk about trauma triggers i mean yeah. can you just imagine being in his shoes and having to be the one that go you know I, I can almost picture him again i don't this isn't like a bible story i can almost picture him with god before him almost pleading with god please don't not that Mm-hmm. Don't, don't do that. That's going to trigger all of Israel. God, what are you doing? You know, and, and, and then the anger that we see towards Pharaoh, it struck me. It's the kind of anger that I get when I'm trying to tell my children what's the better option and they continually choose the worst consequence and, and over and over again, you've got mm-hmm. to discipline them more sternly. I almost picture Moses being like, darn it, man. <laughs> Why? Why are you choosing yeah. this? And then storming out and realizing that he's he, that he knows what's coming. Mm-hmm. And so that was the comment though that I made is, yeah. is, is this idea that here's the lone survivor of the Holocaust, our firstborn mm-hmm. males, delivering the news that here comes the death of the firstborn males, and then mm-hmm. being angry that Pharaoh doesn't wake up to that reality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you guys relate to that or did it trigger anything in you guys when you when you heard that when Rob was teaching on that? I mean, go ahead, Ray. <laughs> you know, we, we, we really do. We, we have a really um, sacred and honorable job as pastors. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I delight in what I get to do. Mm-hmm. But what I don't delight in is when people come with problems and we do our best to go to God's word, to give them his solution to their problem. Mm -hmm. And what hurts is when you know they're not going to choose his way because they want their way. And, And let me show you just how incredible God is. In all of these stories out of the last few weeks, since we've been in this series, God in in his graciousness and kindness 
gives you, he gave Pharaoh, I'll keep it straight to the, to the Bible. He gave Pharaoh literally, let's just say at the, at the least, he gave him 12 hours mm-hmm. to consider what he was telling him, what he was being advised to do. Now we can take that to the extreme and say he, got, he had a solid 24 hours. But what we read in the text is that he tells him this is going to happen tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Whether it's somebody living with someone they're not married to, whether it's behavior of your students or your children, and you want us to help with wise counsel because, not because we're perfect, but because we've lived some of these mistakes. And we give you what God says you're to do. And you choose the opposite, which means you're not only going to bring more harm upon yourself, but if there are other lives attached to you, you're bringing harm on them too. And that's why this message was so personal Mm -hmm. because this is us. Mm -hmm. Whether it's regular church attendance, whether it's giving, whether it's serving, when we tell God, I'll think about it. What? Mm -hmm. Many of us are parents. If we tell our kids to do something and they tell us, I'll think about it (laughs) or or, or no. (laughs) It's not good. No bueno. No bueno. No bueno. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, not good. Not good. Go ahead, Michelle. I was just, I was thinking the exact same thing. I was thinking it brought up to me the people that we minister to, um, who we love and, and want to see choose correctly. So I, I'm not surprised that, that that's what Ray said. And I think people don't understand how much we care mm. about their well being sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. It's that burden that you don't know. I, I never would have believed it if I wasn't a pastor. Um, it, it is very rare to find a pastor, at least in my circle of friends, that the prayer requests aren't more that I get, aren't more things that they're praying for someone else because they're feeling such a burden for that person. Now, I'm not saying that my friends don't ask for prayer for themselves, but most of my pastor friends and I, when we're communicating, when we sit around and talk, we're, we're praying for people that we care about that are making a decision that we just know the result of. And, and, mm-hmm. and it's just it's so hard. And, and as hard as we try to not carry that, because we're not fixtures, we're not Jesus, we cannot fix them. The emotional weight of that is real. Mm-hmm. No matter what you do, no matter how connected to Jesus you are, you still carry some of that weight. I couldn't help but think about the value of community because when you're, in community, there's other people who can see these things and they are the Moses to you. They are the ones that can come to you with the warnings because they're looking at your life from the outside in and they have a different perspective. And a lot of times it's easy to want to shoot the messenger, but really they're trying to help and just say, hey, these are some patterns I see. It's so easy to see things when you're not wrapped up in the emotions of whatever it is that's going on. And so you know, I think us as a group, as a staff, we are that for each other quite often. 
Um, but that's what the church is for each other as well. You know, the men's ministry getting together this last weekend, actually there was women invited to March meet madness, but, but just getting together to watch basketball games, but you can end up in conversations about your life and encouraging each other and pointing out things and pointing towards, um, godly ways and community drives us to holiness to Christ likeness mm -hmm. and and you can't do that without Moses is all around you <laughs> you guys are my Moses so I I just had a question occur to me and I don't know if you studied this Rob in preparation I had not thought about this so Moses you know, he's in the water in the Nile and Pharaoh's daughter pulls him out and he grows up in Pharaoh's household. And then he leaves and he's on the backside of the desert for 40 years. So is the Pharaoh whose household he grew up in the same Pharaoh we're talking about here? Now, I didn't spend hours on that. But I have in the past. So um, according to um, the grand theology of, of movie making. We know that this is his half brother. Um, I'm, I'm referring to the 10 commandments, by the way, the movie, sorry, <laughs> where, they make it, where they make it like they were, um, they, they were friends with. Um, and, and I don't recall the actual answer, Michelle. Um, okay. I remember I'm going back to the notes that I actually took to be candid. Um, well, I, it's not in the front I, of my brain. It's not in the front. Yeah. Wait. It's not in mine either, but it occurs to me, you know, I've always thought of the story like he's going in to tell this king that he doesn't have any relationship with, you need to do this. But then I thought, as we're talking, is that really true? Right. You know, there is, there is a connection. Um, what I can't remember is if this is the, Ray, do you know? Do you have, I have it in a note and there's so much going, I've, I've worked on so many other lessons this morning for some other areas that my brain is going well, and I didn't mean to put you on the spot. It just oh, I, fine, that occurred fine. to me. There's times yeah, when I, I mean, can battle this answer off, and there's times when I can't. Yeah. I, I'm inclined to believe, based on the text, especially the first two weeks. Remember, this this Pharaoh didn't know of Moses. Okay. Right. That's what he I didn't know say. of his favor in the land. Okay. So it it makes me believe that this had to be a different one. Well, he didn't know the favor. He didn't know the favor of, of Joseph. Jo Joseph, which should have been. I mean, but it should have been tied to Mo. I mean, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know, but my, my 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 belief has always been, and again, I'm trying to find where I have my proof on this, um, is that it's Ramses the second. So, um, I think it's the same family. I don't think it's Pharaoh. <laughs> That raised him. I think that that's where Hollywood probably got it half right, where this would have been someone that was brought up in the court with Moses before Moses became his own, you know, person. Mm -hmm. yeah. fact, I did it's an interesting it. thought. Yeah. It's very interesting. At least knew of him a yes. little bit, right? Yeah. yeah. That's what I've always been on that supposition. Anytime I've talked about this, that this was not a brother like they tried to do in, in, in Hollywood, but a Prince familiar. Egypt. But a familiar. Was that Charles Charlton Heston or whatever? What yeah. was that? Yeah, Heston and uh um Charlton Heston and um Yul Brenner. So Yul Brenner, they played like they had been kids playing as kids, and and I don't think there's any, any, any thing that shows that. I would hate to play Jeopardy against Rob. 
Well, you can see right now. I've been working on I've been working on our new series, and I've been working on Gideon, our new series for student ministry. And so my brain is like, oh no, I have to go back to Moses, which I tried to transition back into for the podcast, and I did not do the very fact good that you know like all the actors, you know all these things. Like I don't know anything. Man, me, we play uh, games at our house and it'll get to like, you know, celebrity culture or something. I don't know anything. Kristen, <laughs> everybody's name, knows all the actors, knows what movies. I, she doesn't even watch movies. I'm like, how do you know all that? I don't know any of it. Not a single bit. As soon as I leave, like ask me who the new Batman is, I already don't know. She's never even seen it. Guarantee you she knows his name. Guarantee. But... Anyways, so um, one more, well, not one more question, but just a good discussion. Is there anything like as we've been going through this series that, that God's kind of been showing to you that you haven't had the chance to talk about? I know you're teaching this Sunday, Michelle, but um, is there anything like that? I mean, I kind of shared for me, it's this idea that there are things in my life that, that I might have gotten so comfortable with that, that um I've just like held on to them so long that I'm just like comfortable with the discomfort and uh, removing mm. those pressures from my life and removing those distractions. That's been a recurring thing after multiple sermons in this series. Is there anything that's stood out to you guys or that, and it might not even be you specifically, but that you've heard back from people, what's God doing in this series right now? <laughs> It's a good one, right? Everybody's <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I mean, we've kind of been discussing it. So if there's nothing else, we, we don't have to stay there. But I, I had think for me in this season, it's identifying with um, the, the plight of Moses and the people of Israel. You know, Moses is God's chosen person to lead them. And so while Moses has frustration right now that we're seeing with Pharaoh and his ignorance, next year, we're going to see Moses's frustration with his own people. And and so just, just, you know, just to think about this as we're all leaders that we have frustration with those in authority over us. Yeah. As well as sometimes we have frustration with people that we're leading as well as frustration with people that are connected to us on a much more personal level, like our family. Mm-hmm. And so what, what we see, what I see, I'll, I'll keep it to me, is Moses continues to go to God and then be sent by God to deliver a message. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I am being encouraged in this season to make sure that God continues to be my go-to and that I continue to do exactly what he asks me to do as best and humanly possible as I can. Mm -hmm. That's good. What about, were you going to say something, Michelle? Well, I was just thinking, you know, I was struck today as, or yesterday when I was studying about, you know, Moses spent 40 years in the desert um and then he comes and gets israel out and israel is going to spend 40 years in the desert and um and then jesus you know gets called into the desert 
And I think so often we think that the hard stuff is, you know, not really meant for us, or we need to get out of it right away, or we need to push through it. But there's so much to be learned when God is taking us through these places that feel like the desert. Mm-hmm. Um, and if we're not patient with ourselves and with other people, then we miss those mm-hmm. opportunities. That's really good. <laughs> True. Yeah. What about this relation between um, the Passover, you know, the the spotless lamb that had to be sacrificed, the blood that had to be put over the door. I mean, the relation between that and Jesus, the ultimate and final savior, you know, for, for us, you know, being pastors, serving in the church, we've made that relationship probably, you know, that parallel numerous times, but for a lot of people in church on Sunday, that might've been the first time people realized there, that God has had this concept of uh, redemption and grace going on since the beginning of time. Um, let's let's just kind of discuss that, not as people who already have known that forever, but like, let's explain that. Like the concept of redemption and perfection and the sacrifice and atonement and all that, like, let's just kind of discuss for a little bit in case people haven't really made those relations. Well, it's interesting, you know, for me, having grown up in in a situation where we were Catholic. So the high religiosity of the Catholic church was the only thing I was really exposed to through my grandmother primarily. Mm -hmm. Um, So early on, actually, this is the cool thing. God used some of the things that I learned sitting in Catholic church, you know, to really call me to himself. Because I remember every year we would go on Christmas and Easter. But if I was with my grandmother, you know, the next town over, we would go every Saturday night. And so I would have little pieces filled in for me. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, I wasn't there every week. I wasn't, you know, that kind of re- level, but um, I would have little pieces filled in. And so for me, it was a natural leap to see the Passover lamb as Jesus because mm-hmm. I was exposed to that. And I'm, I, there's a reason I'm sharing this story. I think if somebody has been exposed to a more high, high religious tradition, meaning one of those higher where, where they, they look at the traditions, it is very easy for them to see Jesus as the Passover lamb. As a matter of fact, I've not met a Catholic that mm-hmm. former or current Catholic that doesn't see that connection immediately. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Um, because there's the talk of Jesus as the lamb so much in the Catholic mass because it's in the Bible. Mm-hmm. But I think what we miss a lot of the times when we read this as a lay leader, you know, or just as people reading the Bible, we miss the fact that there's, Jesus is celebrating the Passover on his way to being the Passover. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. You know, so I think yeah. I think that right there is one is where I would hinge all of it on Philip is, is this idea. I, I think I guess what I'm trying to say is if you're reading your Bible, you're actually without excuse for not being able to make that connection. Yeah. Because because you have to because it's referred to several times that he will be the Passover lamb. Now I'm not criticizing people. I'm saying you can just I think we have to be in our Bibles enough to be able to catch those nuanced things, or we're gonna miss them, even if we love Jesus with all of our heart. I mean, but even even the people as they're marching him in to be the pat, you know, he just finished Passover. Like, oh, Dunderheads, Dunderheads did not even notice. I mean, these are people; these are religious people studied it for yeah. a living, and they missed the fact that they are marching the perfect lamb to be. 
I mean, it's just crazy. So we are fully capable oh, of doing it. Oh, I, I agree. Oh, I agree. <laughs> I agree. But I think that's why the sermon was impactful because there was a weird impact to me. It was felt weird that it had on people, which was awesome. I love it when God does that because it's beyond anything that you've ever prepared for. And then, then you know that you didn't do it. Yeah. But the impact, I think, was found in the fact that there were people coming to that realization of, I have the blood of the lamb around the doorposts of my life because of what Jesus did. Whoa, whoa. Mm -hmm. And what a good timing, Ray. I, I, I'm certain you did this somewhat on purpose at the very least, that we're going to be wrapping up Exodus right before we get into Easter. Um, and we wrapped it, and we're wrapping up the Passover, you know, and remembrances where Michelle's going next week and all those things are going to fall in line before we talk about the risen lamb. Mm -hmm. It's what makes me believe that Easter is going to be super special. Yeah. This, this particular year. I mean, as I sat Sunday listening, Rob, I was like, man, God, you are truly ingenious <laughs> with how this is all set up. Because even my, my takeaway, my big, one of my biggest takeaways was the importance of community. Because if you're the family that don't have a lamb, how do you get blood over your door? Yeah. How do you make sure that you don't lose your firstborn? Right. But see, if you're in community, see my sister Michelle, she has a lamb. Mm -hmm. And it's enough blood that she can come and put some on your doorpost. And you can eat the which meal enforces the need for community in the here and now. Because if you're in a community right now, there are neighbors that don't have the blood of the lamb over their doorpost. They don't even know anything about Jesus. And, and look at how cool how cool Yahweh was in that he, he totally accounted for that. And he told him to invite him in. Because it wasn't going to be enough just to have somebody's blood over. It had to be something that you participated in. So you couldn't just kind of half here's the here's here it is this is hit me you couldn't just do half of what you wanted to do for your neighbor which is hey i'll run some blood over to your door you had to be like come on in you're gonna eat with us you're gonna spend the night with us we're gonna leave from my house so you better say goodbye to your house tonight <laughs> it, it, it takes away the ability to even do it halfway it's like it doesn't say take some of the blood and put it over your neighbor's house it says get your neighbor into your house mm -hmm. and spend the night together do this thing Mm-hmm. It's true. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to interrupt you, Michelle, if you were about to say something, but okay. Nope. I was not about to say anything. I, I, I was pondering that. <laughs> cool. I, I just wanted to take it back to the simplest form. And maybe it's because um I don't know why, but I always just take things all the way back to the simplest form, just in case, because we have people who watch this podcast that are all over the country, all over the world. And then have not grown up in a in a with a religious or or spiritual background or faith upbringing, and the yeah. the concept that God is perfection and God is holy, right? And that we are not, you know. And because we are not, there has to be a bridge between our imperfection and His holiness and His perfection. And, and this concept goes back to the beginning of time, all the way back to Adam and Eve. I mean, all the way back to the first sins that were committed against mm -hmm. God, that that gap was, was produced. Mm -hmm. And what was happening is people had to make sacrifices in order 
to be in good community, in good communion with God. From the beginning of time, this has been happening. From the very beginning. And then, you know, all the way up until Easter and what we celebrate really is that the perfect spotless lamb, which was Jesus, which was a human. So in the story and the sermon that we've been talking about, it was a literal lamb. And in this one, it was the son of God. But that lamb is sacrificed, right? And because of that blood that was shed, it is basically poured over our lives. And I know that's super graphic, but so is the idea of blood being over doorposts. It's graphic, but what's taking place is actually that extreme. And that blood um, is the thing that bridges the gap between us and God. And, you know, I know that's kind of a basic description for many people who grew up in church, but we have so many people that, that might be viewing this. And I just wanted it's not just like some people started writing in the Bible and said, hey, it'd be fun to put in the character of Jesus and he's going to die. This is something that's been unfolding since the beginning of time mm -hmm. and reinforced and reinforced and reinforced since the beginning. And it wasn't just some author that just wrote in a fun story about this guy named Jesus. From the beginning, it's been affirmed and reaffirmed and reestablished this concept of redemption over and over and over. And I love that. When I see that, it's just so, um, it's so rich to see how God's story unfolds constantly. So it's cool. Well, no, I, what I love about that and what my comment, I hope everyone heard was, you know, this is why reading the Bible is so fun. Because if you read the Bible, you know, as a, as a narrative from front to back, you begin to get to see this amazing woven thread whether you've been growing up in religion or not, if you start to read the Bible and really ingest what's in there, you begin to see this theme over and over again. You see what's happening here with Pharaoh and Moses and you see God proven. You get to David's life and you see the way God intervenes in David's life. And you begin to see David as somebody who's going to represent the, the, the line of Jesus. And you begin to follow that. And it just becomes fascinating. I mean, just take out all that we know that it does for us spiritually I mean, that's fascinating. I mean, that that's miniseries style stuff on, on, on like, yeah, it's, it's Netflix. Binge watch it. I mean, binge read it. I mean, go for it. I mean, it's good. It is. Well, and I think sometimes we question, I mean, I know in staff prayer, we've been reading um, a devotional that is also pretty graphic about um, the death of Christ. And, you know, we wrestle with why did it have to be this way? But when we think about it, Jesus was the atonement for every person and all their sin, no matter what they've done. And how often does somebody say, but you don't understand what I've done. I've abused somebody. I've murdered somebody. I've, um, I've hurt my child. Uh, whatever it is, Jesus paid that price. And enough of a price that the worst what we consider the worst, because I don't know that God ranks things like we rank things. But when we think of some of what would be the worst sins that we could do, how we could hurt other people, mm -hmm. to be able to believe that Jesus loved you enough, it would have to be drastic. It would have to be. Or you wouldn't believe that what you had done was actually covered in God's economy. Mm -hmm. And better than that, even, even though there's still consequences on earth that you have to walk through for some of the mm -hmm. things that you've done, he then walks with you. Yep. 
like not only are, do you have this forgiveness that comes from him that you can rest in eternally, whatever situation you put yourself in that you might have to still pay the price for, mm-hmm. he is right next to you. Mm-hmm. Making that not only bearable, but making that something that he's going to use to redeem others mm-hmm. to come to him. And I just think it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. And you you talked about this on Sunday, and this was another great point that we don't we feel like we have to clean ourselves up to get to God. Like I'm gonna I'm gonna start being a church person. I, you know, like I feel like people will say that, and they're like, I'm gonna start being a faithful person. So you know, like I'm gonna start working out. Kind of like it has nothing to do with what you are gonna do. It has everything to do with what He has done for you. Mm-hmm. And if that sounds a little cliche, I'm not sorry about that. It, it really is that simple. And that's the beauty of it. That's why churches exist. That's why we worship. We do all this because it is that crazy that something like that would be done for us. And that's why we, we act a fool, you know, worshiping and praising and clapping and, you know, and people look in from the outside and I'm sure it looks crazy that we would give and that we would do we do it all because so much has been done for us. It's, it's a beautiful thing. You know, I hope somebody who's not a Christian watches this <laughs> and gets to hear this side of it, you know, of, of why some, some of this stuff happens and why we do it. But if we had to clean up to get ready for God, we would never get there. We would still wouldn't be there. Still wouldn't be there. Yeah. So, yeah. Is there anything else you guys wanted to add to this? to tell the people because if not i want to do uh just like let's spit out some uh fun things that are coming up at east lake just to let everybody know i know oh, i know fun. something's coming um on the first april first yeah we have we have easter jam uh for our families and, and again i want to say it like i always try to say it it's sometimes people will hear this and be like oh that's a great children's ministry thing you're doing nope it's a family ministry thing we're doing for the whole family to come and just get to party. We'll have food trucks, games. There's a quick brief, uh, like I call it like madhouse Easter egg hunt. Cause we don't do like an Easter egg hunt. We just kind of let the kids run in first, grab up some candy off the floor and the Easter eggs. <laughs> um, and then we get going with a full program that night. Um, so yeah, you're going to want to, you're going to want to come out on Friday, um, April 1st. That's going to be fun. Food trucks, I think open at six o'clock if I, I don't have it written in front of me here, but but it's like it's mm-hmm. six o'clock while we'll food trucks up and running and we'll go through the evening um, till we're done like 830 or so. Sometimes the best meal is a food truck meal. I'm just saying, man, I'm telling you what we, we legit. I'm telling you, we have the spiritual gift of food trucks. <laughs> at, at each place, I'm telling you. <laughs> yeah. When's that celebration service, Michelle? We're doing it a- is on. Yeah, on the 10th, and I am so excited. So if you're going through Rooted or Perspectives, or you've been through uh, Gracism recently, or whatever Rob's taken students through, we want to hear your stories, and we want to share what God's been doing in your life so we can celebrate. I know there'll be some people get baptized on the 10th. Um, it will be a wonderful way to celebrate what God is doing in our community. And I am excited about it. Yep. 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 I'm trying to think of what else am I leaving off something? 
Oh, I know that the community, um, we're doing a community service with a bunch of uh, area churches on Good Friday. So on the 15th, Good Friday, that night, we will be coming together at Gateway Church because they have a room big and bigger um, to be able to handle all the churches coming together. And I'm excited because we're doing a community choir. I don't know who these churches are going to send to us, but supposedly they're advertising and people are going to come join our choir. We're going to practice songs together and then worship that night. That's cool. Yeah. We're forming, we're forming Voltron. <laughs> All the churches are coming together. Yeah. There's going to be a city on a hill, baby. I like it. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Um, and then Easter Sunday too, just so you guys know, I know a lot of people start making Easter plans right now. We're doing our services at nine and 11, same time. I'm sure they'll be full because it's Easter Sunday, but we're going to do them just the way we've been doing them, but it's going to be a celebration. It's going to be fun. Worshipful. Yep. All right. If there's nothing else, let's say goodbye and good night, everybody. We'll see you later. All right. Bye. See you later. Lake Community Church is an intentional, multicultural community empowered by the Holy Spirit. We passionately pursue a loving relationship with God and everyone Jesus was sent to die for, here, near, and far.